Well, Pastor Luke and his family are out of town today, so we're privileged to have John Berkey with us today. He comes to us from the Phoenix, Arizona area. If you were here during Sunday school, you saw and heard how the Holy Spirit is at work in the mission that he's been called to out there. It's uh, quite fascinating how people share about this is what we'd like to do, and then this doesn't happen, but God has a different plan. So it's, it's always good to hear how all that comes together. So, John, come forward. We'll have a time of prayer. Look forward to bringing, hearing your message this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for John, for bringing him here with us today, for his family that's uh, here as well. We pray that you would anoint him with your words, and just thank you for his willingness to serve you and to be with us here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start with a reading of the scripture this morning um, from John 6, 1 through 15. It's a very familiar passage. It's actually one of the few passages we see in all four of the Gospels. All four of the disciples, uh, the Gospel books, have the story in it in various forms. But I'm reading from the Gospel of John today. Um, It starts with this. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. It's kind of a little tidbit that John gives us that the other ones don't. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same thing with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now, gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Then Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king. He slipped away into the hills by himself. Let me open with a word of prayer. Father God, I just come before you right now, Lord. Your word is true. It is right. It is edifying to us today. Lord, we thank you for your scripture that is living in us now today, even 2,000 years later. I pray that the words that I speak today would be those that come through you, through my mouth. In Christ's name, amen. I want to give a little background of who I am for those who weren't here in Sunday School Hour. Um, my name is John Berkey. 
My connections go back uh, about a decade or more. I came from originally, uh, I was a youth pastor at the First Mennonite Church in Morton, Illinois, back when both of our churches were still a part of the Illinois Mennonite Conference. So I know Michael Dean from way back when, and Michael actually says hello to you all. We got an opportunity to share at Kaufman Mennonite about two weeks ago. Um, He wishes he could come and visit again. Uh, But uh, my now connections with you come through the Ivana Network. I am an ordained minister through them from my home congregation of Howard Miami Mennonite Church in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, Luke and I met uh, probably three, four years ago through some of the Ivana events, and he offered the pulpit time today, as I believe they're up in Amigo this weekend or coming back maybe from there. So... um, so I graduated college, was a youth pastor for three years, and then Lindsay and my wife, Lindsay, and I felt a calling to go serve as camp directors with World Gospel Mission in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Metro Phoenix, working with Native American kids through uh, a Bible camp program. Um, so that's a little bit of our background. Fast forward to spring of 2020. Uh, I talked about this in Sunday School Hours, so pardon me for some of you. This feels maybe a little redundant. Where am I going here? I'm not there yet. Okay, we'll wait. Uh, Spring of 2020, we had a campus in Metro Phoenix, about 20 acres, sitting empty because of COVID. Our camp and retreat center, the camp program that my wife and we were running, uh, was shut down, just like most everybody else around the U.S., and we began to realize pretty quick that this, this COVID thing is sticking around for a long time. It's likely that our camp program as we know it is, is over. We're going to have to really shift focus. And this ministry center needs to be something else. Um, we re- really began to pray about what does that look like? What are we going to do? Let me just go back to the beginning, guys. I jumped ahead of myself. All right, there. There we go. All right. Technology, don't you love it? Right. Love to hate us sometimes. There you go. Uh, so here we are, spring of 2020, COVID hit, our facilities were sitting empty, and we began to pray, God, what is it that you have for our campus? Um, one of my coworkers' nieces came and saw the 170 beds that we had on our campus and said, you need to fill those with kids. And, of course, we said, that, that sounds good, but that's not really what we think... Um, we can do with this, and that was going to involve state government funding, and that was going to hinder our gospel, and that was definitely something the mission agency was not going to be happy about. But the challenge was put out to us in that, which is there's a need here. How are you going to respond? There's so much of a need in the foster care system that we need to do something about it. Slide two here, I believe. Let's see if I got my stuff here. Jesus says to his disciples as he gets a crowd of, it says 5,000 men, but we know that would be women and children included. You're thinking at least double that, if not more. Um, so Jesus looks at this crowd, and he looks at his uh, disciple Philip, and he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Which is kind of like, I don't know, I would guess he's saying it in a rhetorical sense, right? But Philip's taking this, obviously, in a literal sense. What do you mean, feed these people? Uh, The other Gospels say, you need to send them back, Jesus. We don't have food for them. (laughs) Here he's saying, like, 
I have no idea what you're thinking here, Jesus. This is crazy to ask me to figure out how to feed this many people. I don't have that kind of ability to meet that need, right? Notice how in verse 6 he says, he asked this really only to test him, for he already knew in mind what he was going to do. In a way, Jesus was saying, how are you going to meet the needs of 19,000 kids in the foster care system in the state of Arizona? How are you going to meet the needs of 900 young adults that age out of our foster care system each year? See, Jesus is challenging his disciples to feed his people. He's not challenging them to physically feed his people. He's really saying, I'm challenging you to feed my people spiritually, right? Now, in this story, he's kind of using the physical needs of the people to do that. But we see later on in the Gospels where he's redeeming John. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep again. Feed my sheep three times. It's not literally feeding sheep. It's feeding his people, right? And so God is saying, where's the need in this community right now? And how are you going to meet it? In our case, it was the foster care system that he was calling us to challenge ourselves to look at. See, Jesus sees a need, and instead of performing a miracle, he's challenging his disciples to find a solution. Now, as disciples of Jesus, we are daily called to care for and feed the people who are hungry for God's word. And we see that in our community daily. There are people in this community, even here in Fisher, that have yet to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they need that spiritual food and that opportunity. He's testing us. He wants us to say, yes, Lord, use me. Much like Philip, though, I think we find ourselves many times overwhelmed by the need that is present in front of us at that time. Not recognizing that Jesus really doesn't want us to come up with the theoretical solution, but merely just to come up with a, I'm willing, Lord, use me kind of mindset. And we saw that within our statistics, as I mentioned, with the foster care system. You know, I went through these in the pre, uh, Sunday school, but 19,000 in youth foster care service, 900 of them turn 18, become legal adults, and they're out on the streets uh, trying to figure it out for themselves. Many of them don't know who Jesus is. Have never had the gospel presented to them. And they find themselves not only physically in need, but spiritually in need as well. Lost. Of those uh, that come out of the foster care system, 60% of those men become incarcerated by 21. And 70% of those ladies will get there. Got to hold your breath, right? Here we go. 70% of those uh, young ladies are pregnant by 20. God was pretty clear he was calling us to meet the needs of these young adults that age out of foster care system. Honestly, we had no idea how to do that. Um, We had done our research and thought we had figured it out until we realized that we were not prepared for that need. Much like uh, Philip, we answered, we get there, here we go, Philip's answer reflects ours, which was, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have just a bite, Lord. And we said, Lord, it's going to take us five years for us to even have an opportunity to serve this need that you have brought to us. 
we don't have that kind of time. We don't have that resource available to us. Notice how Andrew comes into the picture now. His brother, anyways, Andrew comes up and he says, hey, we've got a boy here with five loaves and two fish, but how far will this go among so many? And I, I want to know, I'd love to be sitting there, is he, is he offering that to Jesus in an open hand, or is it in this sarcastic tone of, come on, God, like, really? I mean, it's five loaves and two fish. It barely feeds the boy, let alone 15,000 people here. Either way, Jesus takes it and says, that's all I need, right? Like Philip, we realize that we have so little really to offer in our own abilities. We lack at the ministry, the staffing resources that we needed to be able to offer this ministry to the community to meet the needs of these young adults. The only thing we had going for us really was the property, which was dated. It was sitting around, as you might have saw in the photos. It looked like 1980s uh, all over the place. And we had, for years, served the needs of our community, our native community, but had lacked the fiscal ability to update our facility and to get it back into a shape that would continue to continue to minister to those uh, native families. But we also, we just had a facility. So we just said, all right, Lord, is this all you need from us? Is this what you need? And we realized pretty quickly that we'll get there. You want to hit the next slide? It'd be easier if we just had them do it. Can you click? There we go. Nothing we can offer is insufficient for Jesus. My background in ministry is youth ministry. Three years as a youth pastor and about seven years as a camp director for Bible camp program. I don't have any uh, formal education in being a facility manager. Uh, I joke around that I have an associate's degree in YouTube on how to fix things uh, because that's where I learned all of that. It didn't come from my dad. He was not a handyman by any means. Um, And so I realized that I was not really the person qualified for this job, but I find that if you read the Old Testament and even the New Testament, I would say that based on what I understand about David, his qualifications weren't adequate for the role that God put him in. I would say that the same would be for Moses. I would also say that's the same for even one of the, all 12 of the disciples. There was a reason why Jesus picked them. Because in man's view, they weren't qualified to be in the role that God put them in. But in a way, that's how God wanted it. That's how Jesus wanted it. He wanted us to be just available. And nothing that we can offer is insufficient to Jesus. In this passage, we see that in verse 6, Jesus already knew what he was going to do with those five loaves before they were even brought to him. All we had to do is decide that we want to give it to Jesus. And he had another plan on how to use it. We see it in this passage here where Jesus goes on in verse 9, or verse 10 here. Let's see if we can get my clicker to go. You just go ahead and go on to the next 
Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same thing with the fish. On to the next one. When they had all they had, had all they had enough to eat, he sat to, said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the twelve baskets with pieces of uh, five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Jesus knew ahead of time that all he needed was just that little amount. And with his mighty power, he could take that small basket of food and bless and feed the multitude. Jesus knew that our property was sufficient for what his plan was, that we didn't have to do it all on our own, that through his abilities and his partnerships and relationships, that we could get ministries that work with us to provide a ministry that that works with aged out foster kids. So we brought in an organization that is a young adult ministry that works with young adults that come out of foster care. They had been doing it for five years. We said it would take us five years to get this off the ground. And God said, no, you don't need to do it. I have somebody who will already do it. They just need your space to help do it bigger. And so partner with them in this effort and do it together. And we said, okay, Lord, we'll do that. And we said, okay, but what else can we do? Because we have more space than this. And God said, we have a church that also has a heart for foster kids, their families in their community, uh, foster adopt kids as well. And there's a whole co-op. You need to bring them to your campus. And we said, okay, Lord, let's bring them on. And what else do we have to offer? Well, we've got more facility space. We'll bring in the young uh, lady who does uh, licensing for foster adoptive parents. Bring them onto your campus and have an office for her. And bring in the organization that works with foster adoptive parents and and a co-op. And bring them all together. And then you're going to start having these meetings once a month with them. And we could talk through the different ministries that they're doing, the opportunities that present, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to crowdsource, and they're going to start sharing and resources, and they're going to start networking and growing. And before long, your kingdom impact will be fourfolds. So we knew that that was what God wanted us to do. So we started that process. And in that process, transformation began to happen on our campus, as we see in the pictures coming up here. We changed our ministry center to focus on the community. Uh, so we changed our sign to reflect that broader appeal. Then our property took a transformation. The office was transformed. The chapel was transformed. The classroom building was transformed. The apartments were transformed. The men's dorm was transformed. And lives were transformed. And I shared about the story about the young man in in Sunday school. But uh, in the time that we've been doing this ministry, we've had four young adults in the aged out ministry give their lives to Jesus. And the churches that have been on our campus have also had multiple baptisms as well. So lives are being transformed. Jesus is being shared. And it's all through the partnership of these people. And really, ultimately, it's through God's work through us. None of us are sufficient in our own abilities. 
We need each other to do the work. But yet, what we offer is enough, and God blesses it. Jesus transforms lives. Because ultimately, what we find out is that, on the next page here. Oh, I am jumping ahead of myself. Let's talk about this part. We did all that ministry, and Jesus wasn't done. He was ready to do more. That is a picture of the camp dorm that we now call the Hope House. About a year ago, the young adult ministry came to us and said, we believe God still has something else for us to do beyond the preventative work that we do and the aged out ministry that we do. We have a maternity center idea that we want to open up. What building do you have to offer? And we said, this is all we have left. And it is a 12-room dormitory that had 10 beds in each room in a center lobby and a couple bathrooms in each wing. And we said we ran our camping ministry out of it. Had about 120 beds in it, so we ran camps with somewhere around 60 or so, 70 kids plus adult chaperones and stuff in there. Uh, and it was kind of that last little bit of our identity pre-COVID for our ministry center. Uh, and so it, it was one of those buildings that you just didn't know what to do with. Could we turn it into offices? Nah, I don't know if we can turn it into offices. It doesn't really fit that. But it's also so big, how do you turn it into some kind of a, a residential facility without the right idea? And that's where they came with us, the maternity center. And we said, this is, this is what we have. Does this work for you? And they said, yeah, we think we can turn this around. And so they did. And they found a donor to help them. So let's look at some of the transformation of our property. We took the, the lobby and turned it into a full-size kitchen. We took the other side of the lobby, and we have a dining space and a rocker area for the young ladies. Um, and then we took the rooms and made them into, like, studio-style units where there's a bedroom in the back, kind of a living space in the living, living room area there, and then kind of uh, what we would call a little kitchenette space up on the front part of the room. So each lady gets their own room. They bring them in when they're pregnant in the prenatal stage. They work through the process of the prenatal care, delivery, postnatal care, and then they work through uh, different organizations and, and ministries to provide support for at least up to a year after that child is born and beyond. Now, I will say this with the caveat of every one of these students or young adults come with a, uh, with a history. They come with, with trauma and experience. Some come with education, some don't. Some come with a, an understanding of they know their, they have the documents of their Social Security number and their birth certificate. Some of them don't. They're starting from literally scratch, and they have to help them through that process. So some of these kids are on campus, and I say kids, they're adults. Some of these young adults are on campus for six to nine months, and they're launched successfully. Others, it could be a year and a half before they are really ready to be able to be launched. Uh, but we work through that whole process with them to make that work. I say this because all of the work that has been done has been done because ultimately in slide, next slide, Jesus loves to show off. And I know that sounds like a very arrogant way of saying it, but it's really meant with a, with a different kind of tone to it. See, that bold statement really means, well, let me just read this passage. 
After the people saw the signs that Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus comes to show his glory, to reveal himself as Lord. He doesn't come to make himself the earthly king, as the people here wanted. That was not his intent. His intent is to come and reveal his glory, that he is, in fact, the Son of God, the Messiah who has come to reconcile us and reconcile our sins to Christ. He's asking Andrew and even the boy with the loaves of fish to give what they can, even though it's not sufficient in the human sense, but he can take that and feed five, ten, fifteen thousand. We cannot boast in anything that we did in the last two years of the ministry there at C3, as we call it. We can only boast that, that Jesus used us to transform the facilities and the ministries that we worked with. Jesus uses miracles to reveal to his people that he is the Messiah, the one who came to save them, and he is King Jesus who will reign on the throne in heaven forever. That message is being received by these young adults even today, as we mentioned in the baptisms. I desire that every one of those young adults that come on our campus to see that Jesus is their Lord, is their King, And I pray that that's your desire here in your community as well. There's a need here in Fisher. I don't know what it is because I haven't been here long enough to know it. I think you probably do. I hear of the collection of school needs for families who can't maybe afford to provide supplies for their kids. That's a wonderful opportunity to meet the needs of our community here in Fisher. I believe that you have just enough for God to bless, to make kingdom impact in your community. All you have to do is offer it to him. And as you offer it to him and serve your community, they will see through your love and your action that you serve a mighty God, a wonderful Savior in Jesus that desires to have a relationship with each and every one of them. And he desires that for you as well. And if you haven't accepted that, I... I want to give you that opportunity this morning to do that. That's my desire, is to see that everybody comes to see Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. And today is a great day to do that. And so I'm going to close in prayer this morning and leave that open for you to accept Jesus into your heart. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart, ask Jesus, Lord, what is it that is in my possession that I may feel is not maybe sufficient enough to make kingdom impact for you, but like the little boy, it's enough. Lord, take it and use me. Use me to make impact. Let me pray. Father God, I come before you right now, Lord. I thank you so much for this congregation, their hearts to serve you, Lord. As we read in the scripture this morning of, of such a similar, familiar story to us, God, you can take what seems so insufficient to us, and make it so big, more than we can ever imagine, 
And it's more sufficient than we could ever give of ourselves. God, I desire for you to be king of my life. I pray that you would come into the hearts of these people here as well this morning. If there's somebody here who has not given their lives to you today, Lord, open their hearts. God, I pray that they would accept you, that they would pray for you to forgive them of their sins and to be Lord of their lives. God, use their gifts, their talents here today. Whatever they feel is not sufficient is sufficient in your hands, and we know that. Take our loaves, our fish today, bless them, and multiply it. Help us serve the need of this community in Fisher, Illinois. God, I pray that you would just bless that. Lord, I pray that people will know that you are Lord through our love and our actions and our words. God, I pray for a transformation of lives here in this community. I pray for a revival in this church. I pray for an openness, God, a blessing to pour out amongst your people today. Father, we thank you so much for how you richly provide for us, take care of us and all of our needs. God, we give it back to you. We pray for good health and good blessing as we go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.